Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Suck it! Welcome to episode 165 of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined as always by Jason Brooks. Jason, uh, we have most likely a lot of first time listeners for this episode. Uh, doing a little bit of a picture that I took on a Friday night. So uh, for all those who are first time and those who are joining us uh, for the 165th time or so, welcome to the program. Uh, just two guys who've been friends since college who uh, really love wrestling, the good, the bad, and sometimes the ugly. But uh, we're going to give you, you know, fresh takes, uh, try to have a little fun, and, you know, try to make sense of all the insanity that happens, you know, Pretty much every day of the week, because you can find wrestling in some form or shape or, or, or fashion. But uh, Jason, how's Rochester treating you today? Uh, it's good. Just got done with work and kind of relaxing and taking it easy Sunday night. Uh, so yeah, things are going good. Very cool. And I guess uh, for those who will be listening to today, to everyone out there, uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, to all the mothers out there who, uh, you know, live with all our bullshit half the time. Uh, and for those, uh, you can find us on Twitter, at WorkedShootPod. Uh, like I said, we uh, try to conversate on the latest things going on in the wrestling industry every week, and uh, hopefully you enjoy the listening. You know, you go to iTunes and share, give us a five-star review. If you do, we will be sure to say it on the podcast, but uh, let's get going on everything that is going on. Now, some people might be listening to the first time because of uh, a photo that was taken, uh, at Ring of Ring of Honors War of the Worlds uh, pay per view, uh, Simon Gotch, uh, formerly of the WWE, was uh, in attendance, and uh, I kind of took a picture of him, which uh, has been shared a couple of times. So I think he's now going by Simon Grimm. I'm he might be at the Philadelphia, you know, tapings, TV tapings today as we speak, but. Uh, like I said, we'll see how all that goes. But Jason, what's what's new? What what do you think of uh, the WWE programming this week? Was it any better? Any worse? I'll be putting it out there. Uh, usually, the the fans in England are you know some of the most ravished fans out there, and they give the best reactions. But either it was a miking problem, or the WWE just isn't doing much right now, and they just didn't care. Um. Yeah, I mean the fans weren't, and I don't know, I don't know why that is. They just, they just were not as into it as usual. I mean, they were still into it, and they were chanting and stuff like that, but not with the same ferocity that they usually do. I'm not sure why. I think the shows were okay this week. There weren't, it wasn't anything to write home about. Um, and usually with those England shows, you kind of, kind of count on the crowd to kind of get them going. But yeah, I, I think the shows were were okay, but nothing really stood out. It's, it's it's funny, you know, you wonder how much things are going to change as a result to this uh, Braun Strowman in, uh, injury where it looks like he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Um, you wonder how much the Extreme Rules card will change because I think a lot of people expected that you would get Braun versus Roman Reigns and some sort of maybe a ambulance match or some sort of stretcher match. And now with him possibly being out, you wonder where they're going to go. Do they... They just stick someone else in there. Do they give Roman Reigns? Do they just have some sort of confrontation there? Because you know this is supposedly the uh, the last show before you know Great Balls of Fire. You know another great name of a pay per view by the WWE, which we discussed last week. But the rumors have been for quite a while that it's going to be Braun versus uh, Brock Lesnar. And uh, as some people in the ROH said yesterday, who you know we we never see him. So I mean, you'd like to keep that forward momentum going with Braun, you know, with getting another win or looking dominant again. But with him out, it's interesting where the WWE goes. Yeah, you know, it's tough. We talk about it every week on the show um, in terms of injuries and things like that. And, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men, right? You know, with, with wrestling comes injuries and guys are injured quite a bit. Um, their bodies take a beating. And unfortunately, Strowman, who was about to get this big push, you know, to get um, probably not win the title, but at least get a little main event feud. Um, yeah, he's, he's injured now. I thought the angle was interesting with Roman Reigns, where he was, I mean, it was a very, I don't know if I've ever seen a babyface do that before. 
And I get it. They were obviously needed to, to have that injury angle. But, you know, I, I think it made Reigns seem even more like a heel, um, you know, with, you know, quote, unquote, taking taking Strowman out. So it's interesting. And, and I'll see. I'll be interested to see where they go here. We already know these pay-per-views before SummerSlam are kind of all fillers except for Money in the Bank. Um, so most of these pay-per-views don't really have much significance anyway. But it would be nice to see Brock come out. Um, we haven't seen him in quite a while. So, yeah, so we'll see what they what they do here with Strowman being out. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, like, next... Like, it, it almost seems like right now they're trying to figure out what to do right now through the fact that everyone thought at uh, Extreme Rules we would mostly get the, the Miz versus Dean Ambrose. But now that we have the injury to uh, to Braun, they, they've pushed that match up to, uh, to next week, which makes you think maybe... You might go and do a title change, you know, possibly with The Miz next week, and then freeing up, you know, uh, Dean Ambrose maybe to face Braun at the next pay-per-view or something like that. You know, they might be shifting around some of these parts. They might, maybe they could, I mean, I think it's way too soon, but maybe, like, put all the guys in the shield back together for a big match at Extreme Rules, some sort of, like, six-man to cover up the idea that, you know, Roman doesn't really have an opponent right now. So, I mean, I think there's a couple of building blocks there. It's going to be interesting where they go. Yeah, I hope they. I hope they don't. I hope they don't do anything like that. Um, you know, maybe this. Maybe they just have Reigns kind of cut a promo. Uh, maybe they give him an you know an easy opponent. You know, maybe a. You know, this this would be a perfect spot for like a heel Big Show or heel Mark Henry. Um, you know, to have a quick five minute kind of squash match um, for Reigns. Uh, so yeah, we'll see where they go. As far as doing the Shield thing, I think that's a bad idea. We already have Joe against Seth. Um, you know, we're, we're, well, Dean and The Miz, I feel like they're going to continue that feud. Maybe not. Um, and we've already seen Dean against Brock, so I, they could go that route. But then what are you going to do with The Miz at the pay-per-view? And is Dean going to win the title, the IC title, and then challenge for the Universal? Then what would happen with the IC belt? So, you know, there's a lot of kind of balls up in the air. And so, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, go, going back to Monday quickly... You have you you on paper it looked like it was a pretty solid show on what was what was there. I mean, like I said, the crowd didn't seem to be truly into everything. And unfortunately, one of the things you realize as a wrestling fan, you could have the best product out there, but if the fans aren't into it, sometimes you're not into it. And you know, you you had Samoa Joe versus Rollins again, and it just feels like at least with that crowd, it didn't seem like a big deal. And, you know, and that, that scares me a little bit, the idea of what's going to happen with Samoa Joe if these feuds don't really get over and he doesn't get over, you know? I mean, I know it's crazy thinking, but, you know, you get a little scared, the idea that a guy who, who's not, the, you know, the, the, the usual mold of the WWE and Joe and if his first really big feud isn't really hitting with the fans, you know, could that be a bad sign? No, I, I don't think so. I don't know that people really want to boo Joe. I think that's half of it, too. That's a good point, there, sure. I, and I also think that the WWE has done... We talked about how well they did with him initially. They had him beat Reigns. They called him the Destroyer. They don't even call him the Destroyer anymore. Now it's just Samoa Joe, another guy. So I think they, you know, and again, they go back to this. They hype a guy up, and then, you know, then he's just a, a, a regular guy again. WWE seems to continually do that um, when they have a chance to make a guy. But... Um, so I think they haven't done a great job with Joe over the last, you know, month or so. And um, and I think that's part of the reason why. Corey, I still think people don't care enough about Seth Rollins. I still think that that's a thing uh, for sure. And so I think that's why the feud didn't get, isn't, isn't getting as much play. Also, Seth Rollins beat Joe. So the, the good guy already won. True, so like, why, yeah. why are we going to keep seeing this? He, you know... If you look at it like a movie and in and, and, and the, you know, acts, like three acts, act one, the hero already won. So why are we watching act two and three? It's over already. So, you know, that's also part of it for me that, that, that kind of annoys me. I mean, you could say act one was him injuring him, but Rollins already got his comeuppance against Triple H. So I don't know. Um, I, and I still think Rollins has not hit as a baby face in my mind. I thought that promo he had where he thanked the fans and it's about you guys. Ugh, came off so corny. So... I don't know. I think Rollins' babyface run has not been great, and I think Samoa Joe had a chance to be a monster heel, and now he's just 
you know, a, 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 you know, a mid-card heel in the show. And the fans know that. So I think that's why the, the, the feud hasn't got as much traction as, uh, as it potentially could have. But, but you know what? I think you're bringing up my point for me right here. You just said it. Rollins really isn't over. Dean is just, Dean is just you know, is just there. Roman Dean, is, no, Dean is over. Dean, <sighs> Dean, is, Dean is pretty over. I think Dean's pretty over. I think he's probably, you know, him, Strowman, and I'm going to say Reigns. People are not going to like that. But Reigns is over. People are reacting to him. More people reacted to him than that Rollins-Samoa Joe match. Um, so, you know, Reigns, to a certain extent, good or bad, whatever. Uh, strongman, strong Phil Strongman. Strongman, you know, Dean, Lesnar. I mean, those are the most, really the most over guys in the show. All right, but like I said, I don't know. I just, I think this might be the time, which situation's going on, maybe to reform the Shield. But I, I respect your point on that. It well, may not reform be the Shield against who? Uh, Joe and maybe the the, the remaining members. Uh, you gotta have a faction for them to go. You gotta have some. You have some reason for them to fight. Why are they gonna fight Joe? Rollins already beat him on his own. Why doesn't he need those guys? Fight? I was gonna say Gallows and Anderson. They've they've recently put them together. So I mean, I, you could. And like I said, because it's extreme they're, they're, rules. They're, I'm saying you know maybe their job. They can't even win. They can barely win a match. You know, the show, the show will destroy them. They need to. If you now, I hear what you're saying about this the show, but if they're gonna have them be the shield they have to go they have to have a faction that is similar to them in strength mm-hmm. or at least one big one you know one or two big people you know a big tag team something like that but them going against one guy is it, they haven't built anyone up to this you know you could have done they already did the Wyatt family you could have done Bray Wyatt gets a couple of more guys and you know do that again but I don't think they'll go there I don't think there's anyone for them to, to face really. And I almost feel like they should save the shield for maybe a WrestleMania or something like that. But, um, you know, we'll see. But I, I hope they don't go down that route. I think if they do, it, it's a big, big mistake. Uh, speaking of a tag team that they're trying to at least att- attempt to get over, Cesaro and Sheamus, I think, have finally started to figure this out as a heel tag team. I mean, they're a lot more vicious than they've been in the past. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I don't see them being the hardest for the title, the next, most likely, at Extreme Rules. But I think that they're starting to find their place there. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the fans react, not to Sheamus, because Sheamus can get heat as much as he wants, but to a guy who's been a primarily a babyface and has this fan uh, rea- <laughs> reaction to really help him get over with Cesaro. Are the fans going to accept Cesaro as a heel, or is it going to be one of those things where the fans so love him that they're going to want to go continue to cheer him? And he... Yeah, I think they're going to struggle with that, but having Sheamus as the buffer will help. You know, Sheamus is the buffer and does most of the work. I think that'll help Cesaro. I agree as a heel team. I think their styles are more heel. They're, you know, they have these hard-hitting styles. I think their styles are more, more heel. Um, I think they work better as a team, just you know, these last couple of weeks of them being healed. I think their matches have been better since they've been healed. Um, you know, I know they had that gauntlet match, which was weird, but I really think that they were, were entertaining in that match. Um, yeah, and I, I like to see them in that role. Obviously, they're basically taking the revival role, uh, you know, the kind of big heel team, um, and which was supposed to be uh, the Bullet Club, Anderson and Gallows, but they've never really hit with the audience um, for a number of reasons that we can get into. Um, and I, and so I see Gallows and, and or Gallows and Anderson, I see Sheamus and Cesaro having potentially a good impact. The audience is familiar with them. They know them. They boo Sheamus all the time. The guys are tremendous in the ring. And yeah, we, we could definitely see some things happening with them. It may take a little bit for the heel turn to really to, to go, but I think in time, you, you, will, you will see the fans kind of react to these guys how they want. Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting, and it's interesting uh, all the things I think they're doing because of the injuries that are piling up right now. I think that the revival most likely was the direction that they were going to go with against the Hardys. I, I was hoping they would save it until SummerSlam, but I think that they were most likely the next step, with unfortunately them being on the shelf for a little while. I think they've lucked into the idea of this heel tag team with Cesaro and Sheamus. So I think this could work, and I really would like to see how all this turns out in the in the coming weeks. Um, 
the women continue to do what the women do. I mean, I love Alexa Bliss on the mic. You're absolutely correct. She's not she's not there yet uh, um, as a worker. But you know, I thought that her match with Mickey James was serviceable. And once again, the key word there was Mickey James. She helped her put on. You know, I think it was the best match that they've had together. You know, since they've had this mini feud on SmackDown and there. But I like. I really like what they did this week with Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. And I'll be the I'll be the first one to say I have never been the biggest Nia Jax fan. I think she should most likely still be in NXT, learning and getting better. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I think she's doing okay. I really do. I think her matches have been okay. Um, I think she's a monster heel, and that's what she's been. And I think she's done a good job at that, and I think she's developing and gotten better. Um, her mic work still leaves something to be desired, but I, I honestly think that she's, I mean, and she really should get a new outfit, but that, <laughs> I mean, that is what, I mean, I get, that is what it is, but uh, does not leave a lot to be desired. But um, I, I don't know. I think she is a monster, monster heel. I think in the ring she plays that role. I don't think outside of the ring she plays that role enough, which is an issue. Mm-hmm. I think in the ring I've had really no no issues with her. I think she's been I think she's been fine for for what she is. Yeah, and but like I said, I, I really like their interaction. It, yeah, if, if you gave you that old feel, and I know this people are gonna say neither one of them is you know as good as the two of them, but gave that old feel of you know like when Michaels had Diesel as his bodyguard, and you know where this yeah. is going at some point down the line. Where Naya is going to go and be like, I, you know, I want my shot. No more, you know, no more games. But I like the idea with Alexa Bliss throwing it in, saying, you know what? If it was up to me, you'd get a title shot, but I can't make those decisions. I- yeah, I, I really like how they did the, the did the whole thing where Alexa's trying to get her on her side and Naya's kind of going along with it. No, that's a, that's a very very old school wrestling thing. Ric Flair's done that in the day. Shawn Michaels did that in the day. All those guys have. I think it's very effective. I think it's old school, and um, yeah, I agree. I think it's I, I think it's good. I think it'll make for for an interesting uh, storyline moving forward. Yeah, I mean, and uh, like I said, I'm moving on to uh, to SmackDown quickly. I thought SmackDown was a fine show. Nothing spectacular. Uh, I don't know why we have the welcoming committee at this point. I just I, I think that Natalia's a great there's worker. A jobber, there's a jobber committee. You know, every year I name my uh, one of my fantasy baseball teams after like a jobber stable. So you know, I've done you know the Job Squad and Spirit Squad and the Mean Street Posse. Now I think the Welcoming Committee might be my next jobber stable. I mean, nobody cares about this group other than Charlotte, Naomi, and Beth. I mean, the other women are there for show. Um, I, I think the SmackDown Women's Division does need some help. Because I don't think anybody cares about any of those women, other than the, the three, the three big time, you know, the, the three stars of the division, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the welcoming committee is pretty much a joke, but it is kind of getting things. It's it's getting things started for those. It's basically a distraction instead of having Naomi against Charlotte every week in a match or Becky against Charlotte every week in a match. It's a way to keep them busy until they start wrestling each other. You know, at, at the bigger pay-per-views. Now, here, now, here's the reason why I brought this up. Do you buy Charlotte as a babyface yet? I'm, I'm having a little trouble because maybe yeah. because she's such a good heel, and because of the flair name and everything they've done to build her as you know the woman who basically never lost on pay-per-view before they blew that. But I mean, yeah. do you yeah. buy her as a ba- as a babyface? I'm not. I'm so, not really feeling it yet. So the ru- the rumor is is that they made they were thinking about going that route, but they're rethinking the route. Um, and um, I think, you know, so again, this is a rumor, nothing nothing substantiated, but that they were really leaning her becoming a heel, and now they're more thinking, should we do this or not? Um, and I, mean, I don't know why she'd be a babyface. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. At some point, I think she'll be a good one, but you have Naomi and Becky Lynch is babyface. Why would she turn into a babyface? Becky Lynch as a heel, I think, would be a disaster. Because Becky Lynch is, she seems to be, and I could be wrong, she seems to be very much her. You know, like, her personality is really out there. Mm-hmm. You know, she's fiery, she's kind of goofy, um, you know, and the crowd really likes her. She's very, she's very natural with the crowd. So for her to turn heel wouldn't make sense. 
Naomi has just started to get a push, you know, over the last couple months. It wouldn't make any sense for her to turn heel. So what, you have three baby faces as your top dogs in the division? Ugh, I think that's I think that's a terrible idea. You need an antagonist, and um, it, it would make it makes sense for Charlotte to be that. I mean, Oscar's not going to be there probably for a little bit, um, so it, it doesn't make sense to have Charlotte um, as a as a baby face yet. Maybe down the road, you know, maybe down the road you have a Oscar against Charlotte match at WrestleMania, but it doesn't make any sense to do it right now, in my opinion. I, 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 of course, we're assuming Oscar's going to go to SmackDown, which may or may not happen. But I, I would think that'd be the place she would go. And I think the thing that's holding that up right now is the idea of the Ember Moon injury, where you know she's out of uh, NXT Takeover uh, next week, which we'll try to get into at you know some point next week because that's still a week away. But um, I, I agree with you. I just don't know what. What the point is of making Charlotte a baby uh, baby face when she's so... I know I understand you reinvent somebody when you move to a new show. But I think she had such a good character that I think she should have stayed the way she was. But um, the thing that we talk about every week, we're getting closer. May 21st, Backlash, Jinder Mahal and the Singh Brothers headlining a WWE pay-per-view, most likely in 2017, after, I think, winning a combined, what, three matches in the two years, you know, leading up to it? I mean, well, not the same brothers, whatever. They're just, they're, you know... Nine, they're, they're just, I, I, I cannot believe that. I still can't... I, I don't know. I just, and, you know, Jason Powell said, you know, Jinder Mahal, he's, he's, he's doing something, you know, he's, um, you know, he's, he's, he's pushed his intriguing or whatever. I don't find anything intriguing about his book. I find nothing intriguing about his book. I think that he, um, I think he's, I, I mean, I, I think he's been fine on the mic, but he just, you know, you see him in the match against those guys, against all the guys there. And like, to me, it just doesn't make sense. I, I, I Corey, am I wrong on this? You see him in a match with Sami Zayn and, you know, all those guys. And it's like, does this make sense that this guy is in a match with them? No. That Jinder Mahal is in a match with them? I I agree with you. It doesn't. I mean, if you look at it, the, the selling point of this show isn't or isn't the world, um, the WWE title match. It's Owens versus AJ. It's the in-ring debut on the main roster of Shinsuke Nakamura, who... You can see who's, who's, who is the guy who's on the cover for this show in the commercials. It's, you know, it's not, it's, you know, the idea of, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura and the U, and the U.S. title. I, I think that number three of importance right now is that world title. I know sometimes that's going to happen, but maybe, maybe you disagree with me here, but that's the, the third most important thing I'm thinking about on the show. Yeah, I, I agree. To me, this 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 match is a complete joke, you know. And I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at Jinder Mahal's win loss record, um, but I, I just I just I, Corey, I, I don't I don't understand it. I just do not understand it. It, it makes no sense to me. I, I'm gonna give his win loss record. I know people could say, oh, it's stupid to your win loss record, but whatever. I think I think I think it matters. <laughs> He has won in, in since he's been in the WWE, which maybe isn't a great whatever, but it's fine. Since he's been in the WWE, he's won seventeen percent of his matches. He is seventy-eight and three sixty three sixty-seven. He has won seventeen percent of his matches, and he is now. And if, and if we, I don't know if we can look into you know what it was just this year, but every result I've seen is him losing this year. Except the last couple of weeks, Corey, I, I get it, right? The, the Indian market—they want to put this guy in a position or whatever. They haven't built this guy to anything. It's just been out of nowhere. Have him beat a couple of guys for a couple of weeks before we start doing this. It seems so rushed, I so agree. rushed. And you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, this must be about the Indian market, and I get it. Maybe they're trying to give Jinder Mahal something for being such a loyal soldier for so long. You know, I don't know. But what do, you, what do you think would have more of an impact? If Drew Galloway was wrestling Randy Orton for the title, 
speaking of 3MB, if Drew Galloway was wrestling Jinder Mahal for the title or if Jinder Mahal was? What, what do you think would be taken more serious about a fan? Oh, absolutely. Drew Galloway. You know, Galloway people don't even know. He, he, would, he would just walk out and people would say, oh, that's a dude right That's a dude right there. If Aleister Black was wrestling Randy Orton for the title, people would take it more seriously than that. Nobody's taking this guy seriously because he won 70% of his matches since he's been in the company. And he's lost most of his matches this year. I think I think the only only person with the worst winning percentage is the Cleveland Browns uh, since uh, they, since they've come into the into, you know back in '99. But uh, uh, Corey Corey blasting his own team, but I'm bummed. <laughs> yeah, it's you know Jinder Mahal the Cleveland Browns. Put the Cleveland you're putting the Cleveland Browns in the, in the Super Bowl this year. No, come on, <laughs> give me a break. I I agree. Um, Let's let's get into this quickly. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see it on SmackDown because it wasn't a very long segment, to say the least. But for this, I guess for either the second or the second time in three weeks, uh, Rusev has said that he wants you know the title shot the title shot at Money in the Bank. Now, Money in the Bank is a SmackDown only show this year, which we could all talk about that in the next couple of weeks. How silly that is! But what's your thoughts here? Do you think this just leads to? Him getting into the Money in the Bank match itself, or do you think he's getting the next shot of the title, presumably against Randy Orton? Because I can't see them doing Rusev versus Jinder, heel versus heel there. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I'm a sucker for these type of things, these type of vignettes where the guy is not there, is on video, is not showing up yet, is demanding stuff. Like, I, I'm a sucker for, for, for these type of vignettes. So I've liked what they've done with Rusev. And it also, we talk about reestablishing characters like Charlotte. This is reestablishing Rusev. It's like, I'm a guy. You need to give me a shot, a title shot, because I'm a badass and I deserve a title shot. Uh, he's not playing the goofy character he was, you know, on Raw. So I like where they're going with Rusev already. And they need a guy like him there anyway. Um, where they go with that, I mean, that could be a U.S. title shot. You know, you could see AJ winning the title and having a U.S. title shot. Or them just putting him in the Money in the Bank match. Um, or maybe giving him a title shot. Shit, they gave Jinder Mahal a title shot for no reason. So why not give Rusev one for asking? What they've done with him over the last two years has been criminal. So, you know, maybe they do give him a shot. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I have enjoyed the little, the short little vignettes they've done with Rusev. Because I think it's establishing him more as, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, a, I'm back to being a badass. I'm back to being someone who kicks ass. I want to try to shot. Give me a shot. And I, I agree. And going back to what you said a few moments ago about Jinder with his winning percentage and how people, you know, who cares? They made it even on Monday Night Raw two weeks ago. You had the segment with the Golden Truth trying to get the, uh, the title shot for the tag team titles. And you had straight out Kurt Angle say, I'd love to give you a shot. But you don't exactly have the best winning, you know, the best winning percentage, over, you know, since as a tag team. So if you're, if the company is going to throw that type of line in, I think the fans have every respect to say the same thing. Where, you know, you have to win a couple of matches before we actually care and give you something, you know, give you a push. So I mean, well, I hear what you're saying, but you know, you know how that, you know how that goes. They they, they insult the fans' intelligence at every turn, um, and they they not, you know, they're, they're not consistent with the writing. They'll do one thing one week and do another thing the next week. So I understand what you're saying, but you know how that you know how that goes. Oh sure. And uh, at least my last thing when it comes to SmackDown this week, uh, with basically a week away from the debut of, of Shinsuke Nakamura, as they're calling the artist, which I think is whatever. That's fine. I, I, I think that's not bad. The well, artist formerly known as Shinsuke Nakamura. But what, I think that's what have you what have you thought of the build for this match? I mean, you can go two ways. One, what have you thought of Dolph, you know, being the guy who's had to basically speak this whole type of program? But what have you thought of the build? And I guess we'll put it this way. If you weren't a person who was, a, you know, a fan of New Japan or hadn't watched, you know, NXT regularly, the push that they're doing, are you, like, super excited to see Nakamura in his first match? Or how do you think the build has been for this? Well, if I were watching it as a fan who's never seen him, and I saw the crowd reacting like that, I would think, oh, man, this guy's the star. Mm -hmm. So um, th that's how I would think. Uh, in terms of his mic stuff, I think I talked about it last week. I worry that they're going to have him on the mic too much and he's going to be talking too much. 
And I know that's WWE style, and I know it's an entertainment company. I get that they're sports entertainers, not wrestlers or whatever the term is. But I do worry because of his English, him cutting promos and trying to show emotion and trying to, you know, have a grasp of the English language. Like, it, it's it's going to be a little dicey. So, you know, they're going to have to figure that part of it out, really. And I guess this is a good trial run for that. I thought their promo a couple weeks ago. I thought it was horrible. This one I thought was better. I thought it was. I thought it was good. Ziggler's fine. You know, Ziggler's just there to put him over, and I'm sure Ziggler's excited to wrestle. You know, one of the best wrestlers in the world. I'm sure he's seen. You know, Ziggler for for what it's worth, he's a wrestling dork. You know, he loves wrestling. He loves you know seeing these guys. So, so yeah, I'm sure he's excited to get in there and have a shot um, against him and just wrestle him. Um, it, it's been okay. The build has been fine. But, you know, all the previews, it's Nakamura, Backlash, Nakamura, Backlash. So, you know, you didn't see Jinder Mahal on the cover any of this stuff. So, yeah, they're really pumping him up, and that's a good sign for him. It's a good sign for Nakamura that, you know, they're obviously making him seem like a big deal. And, um, you know, hopefully they continue that at Backlash. And I guess the last thing, uh, even though I said the last thing was the last thing, uh, I don't, you mostly fast forward through it, but if you didn't, what did you think of seeing a little bit of personality with the Usos with their their promo, which basically one of their first times really talking, other than on talking smack? Yeah, I, I thought it was okay. I, I mean, I don't know if they're gonna be if they're heels or baby faces, but I thought it was okay. I, I I've said this before, I think last week or a couple of weeks ago. Um, I like the Usos' personality, and on talking smack, they've been showing their personality, and I think they should show that more on TV. Um, that might get them over big time as heels or baby faces, whatever. But they have really good personalities, and I think they, if they use that more and they give the Usos a mic and kind of let them come up with their own stuff because they've got their own swag, I think it could be really good. So um, they're obviously the standouts in the tag team division. You know, it's not even close. But it's good for Brizango getting an opportunity as well. I agree, and I think they've had good chemistry. The Brizang- last two weeks of the Brizango skits have been f- have been fine. I thought the first week was better than the second. And I did like the Uso showing a little bit of personality. I mean, I think it might, I think that promo may have went on maybe 30 seconds too long. Yeah, a little too long. But I thought it worked, and I, I thought it was you one know, of... Boy, that's okay, right? I mean, we talk about that all the time. Um, you know, back in the day, we, we talked about this with Stone Cold, talking about guys doing their own promos, and Jericho talking about guys doing their own promos. Every promo that Jericho did with Rufus wasn't a freaking hit. I mean... You know, for you, for you younger guys, where Jericho was had a you know within the cruiserweight division in WCW, he had this guy Rufus. He was just this big overweight guy, and he would just make fun of him. You know, that's what kind of made Chris Jericho famous initially. But so he and not every promo was great. When guys are trying their own material and trying their own stuff, you know they're going to have ups and downs. So if this is the Usos showing some side of themselves and having some ups and downs. I, I think it's good. I, I think it's good, and I think it's going to make them better on the mic and, and better performers. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that they, they're giving them I, – I mean, it sounds like they're giving them a chance to show their personality more. That promo sounded more like them than anything I've heard from them in a while. Oh, and just uh, before we move on, just I saw online today that uh, we will be seeing Brock Lesnar coming soon. I don't know if they'll actually be on-screen stuff, but it looks like – uh, June 12th, June 26th, July 3rd, and July 10th, uh, we'll actually see the Universal Champion. I like I said, I don't know if it'll be in dark segments, but apparently I guess he's going to be there to start the build for the Great uh, Great Balls of Fire match on July 9th. So at least at least we know that Brock will be, you know, gracing us with presence finally. All right. Goodness gracious. Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, any other things of the WWE this week you want to cover uh, before we move on to some other quick items? Um, I do want to talk about one thing, but this will be this will be a, a, a later segment thing. It'll be a later segment thing. You go ahead. All right. Um, one of the one of the things that we love talking about on this show, and I think we follow more at this point than a lot of people. But I don't know if you realize it, but two weeks from now, season three B of Lucha Underground. We'll be coming back to the El Rey Network on uh, on May 31st, Wednesday, May 31st. 
I'll I'll be the first one to say am, am I on am I on Twitter every three minutes when it comes to wrestling? No, but it's scaring me a little bit that it doesn't seem like the season one and two of of being on Netflix and you know Apple uh, the Apple Store having you being able to buy episodes. I'm not really feeling that buzz with two weeks before the show coming back. I I don't know. Maybe you've seen it, but does that scare you a little bit? The idea that there really isn't much buzz for the return of the show. I mean, I think that, I think if they have a season four, it'll be the last season of the show. Um, I, I don't think they've made enough money. I think guys are leaving. Um, you know, they've lost. These, I'm, I'm more worried that Pentagon Jr. is on the show, and which I mean, he's going to be on this season, obviously. But mm-hmm. I'm more worried about the people that are losing than the buzz or whatever. I don't even know what the buzz means, but um, if that means advertisements. I have not seen as much of that. Um, you know, they're not on, They were, I know Johnny Mundo was on ESPN and the whole group of them were on ESPN at one point. I know they're not now. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what they have planned. Maybe they're, maybe they're set saying this is it for the show. So this is what we're doing. So I don't know. Um, you know, I guess we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm glad it's coming back in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be like the perfect time. It'll be almost the end of school, bachelor party, me drinking alcohol again like I, I can't wait so it's gonna be it's gonna be think life's gonna be great in a couple of weeks oh how, how uh, just quickly how how is the no alcohol veg the veggie whatever I, I know I'm gonna screw it up but the vegetarian or vegan or whatever you're you're doing for the month how's that going have you uh, uh I mean it's been all right it's actually been it's been okay so for you guys vegan means no meat no dairy so it's it, it, it's you know it's a motherfucker it's not easy and the no drinking on top of it but it's been better than I thought you know Ben and Jerry's makes a vegan ice cream did you know that? no I did not Oreos you know Oreos are vegan the Oreos are vegan Uh, my fiance made these delicious pancakes today vegan pancakes you would never have known Um, so yeah a lot of the stuff is good the only replacement is cheese you cannot replace cheese there is no cheese replacement. So if you really love cheese, there's no cheese replacement. Most of the rest of it, you're okay. No cheese replacement. That's shit. <laughs> so that's my review of it. And the no alcohol thing, obviously, we all know. You guys know I like I like to have a, a, a couple on Fridays and Saturdays. So it's been um and Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays no, and no, Thursdays. No, no, no. I don't I don't I don't I don't really I don't really drink that much. Mostly you know weekends whatever. But uh, that's been a that's been a tough a tough go, especially. The last couple of weeks of work have been a pain in the ass. So. Anyway, that's my review on being a vegan. So back to you, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> back to back to you and the weather. Uh, but you know, it, it's it's interesting that you know you're, you're trying this out. So I give you credit. I don't I don't I don't think I would have the willpower to do it. But uh, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be a vegetarian pretty easy. Vegetarians not, but the vegan things a little bit. All right. Um, Moving, moving on, uh, something that you said that you were actually going to be interested in seeing, and we'll lead into our last couple of talking points for today. Starting, um, I believe it's May 17th, we've got the return of the best of the Super Juniors. Yes, yes, and yes. That, the, list is, the list is awesome, Corey, of, 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 of uh, wrestlers in it. It looks really good. It looks like a good group. Yeah, I mean... Uh, we're gonna have the re- you know the rematch that everyone loves to see every year of uh, Ricochet and Will Ospreay. You've got Marty Scroll, who we're gonna be talking about quite a bit in a few minutes, uh, facing Will Ospreay in the very first night of the tournament on May seventeenth. You know, Dragon Lee versus Marty Marty Scroll. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff there. For those who haven't seen it before, the last I believe the last two years or so they've put it into blocks where there's a block A and a block B, and then the winner of the two blocks. Face each other, so it's going to be interesting. Similar to the G1, for those of you who are familiar with the G1. Right, it's basically the G1 for the guys who... Uh, for, the, for the juniors. For the juniors, which, you know, it's yeah. very... I think it's a really good idea. Um, ACH is in it this year. I'm pumped about that, too. Yeah, I mean, ACH, who uh, seems to have landed on his feet after deciding that Ring of Honor was not his uh, mode of transportation anymore, so I think that's really worked out. I mean, you got some of the old favorites, you know, the Juice and the Ligers... Who you know is coming at some point to an end? But, you know, you got Tiger Mask. You've got you know, Bushi will be in it. You've got uh, your the champion T- Takahashi will be in there. 
So I mean, it's a good mix. And like I said, you got Marty Scroll who. Man, this is but this is like night after night after night. So this is what, folks. We're gonna give you some inside baseball here. This is what's gonna happen. Corey's gonna, gonna watch, watch all these shows. <laughs> a lot more time on his hands than I do. Then he's gonna tell me which matches to watch. Then I'm gonna watch those matches, and that's what we're gonna talk with you guys on the podcast tomorrow. And to um, and to go, it, And to go more inside baseball, Corey will watch most of it, and then he'll actually go to. You know, uh, either the Wrestling Observer or John Pollock, and see what they said. I should definitely check out, and then you know, we'll we'll go it that way because Corey loves the stuff, but I don't know if I'll be watching every match myself also. So I might do some of that, you know, one after another stuff. Oh, uh, speaking of New Japan, and I know you want to keep going with this, but I want to bring this up. What do you think about New Japan, uh, the IWGP United States Champion? I mean, how, many, how many goddamn belts are they going to have? Another belt? It just sounds like TNA with the, the with global force. So many belts. You know what? I I was there uh, when they announced this, and the crowd was. I seemed to be into it because I think the crowd thought that this would basically be a way to get ROH guys more involved in the New Japan. You know, with New Japan. I, well, I, the belt looks cool as shit, but I think what they should do is they should only defend a belt in the United States. I can I can see that. I mean, they should do something where they only defend a belt or get rid of the open weight title. I mean, I know it's been there. I, I feel like open weight's a newer belt, right? Last couple of years, I, I think like last four. I think it's been around for about four or five years. Yeah, I, either get rid of that belt or just have the United States belt defended, and you know the world, the world shows. And, you know, whenever they come over the States or whatever, have it defended then, and then that's it. And that might, or, you know, whatever, um, you know, more, um, you know, not big shows, not big pay-per-views. You have it defended that, you know, not the bigger pay-per-views or whatever. Right, so I, mean, I, 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 I can don't see know. that. But, but I, I don't know. I, I think they can figure it out, but um, I, don't want, I don't need to see it defended every New Japan show. Oh, I, I totally agree. And the way that they're doing it, it's going to be for these two nights, uh, July 1st and July 7th, which they've put more tickets on sale for this L.A. show, and they sold out just as fast. It's going to be basically a round, I think it's like either an eight-man round-robin system for two days to crown the champion, and Jay Lethal has been the first uh, first guy named, and you had the segment of uh, Hangman Page coming down, being upset that he wasn't the first guy, so pretty sure you'll have him versus him and Hangman Page. And a bunch of other guys, so I think it's going to be an interesting way to do it. And I think it, I think this is a title that might get defended a lot in ROH. I think it's a title that might be defended on a lot of different shows, like independent shows, and to try to help get that name value. It's kind of like what they did with a couple of years ago in New Japan with the NWA title, where they had him get defended there. So, I mean, I don't think that really worked in the long run, but I think it, it helped, you know, spread the product. And I think that might be something that. Can really work. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, uh, it's interesting that they're going to do it, you know, in Long Beach, and that's going to be probably like the highlight of the show. Um, that'll probably be like you know the main events of the show, which I think it'll be cool. Um, well, the Bullet Club will be the main event, but other than the Elite, I should say, will be the main event. But other than them, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But it's cool that they're having the belt. But let's just. You know, let's not overexpose it. They have a, so many belts. So we'll see how that works. But. Um, one thing we forgot to talk about quickly uh, before we get into uh, War of the Worlds, which uh, Jason, hopefully in the next week or so, will be, have a chance to, uh, to watch the show. Um, legally, legally, of course. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Um, but one of the things that was announced is that Jim Ross, which we all knew, is coming back to go and do some announcing stuff for the WWE. Signed that two-year deal to do some uh, random stuff. Hopefully it's to replace, you know, Brian Saxton uh, on, on uh, SmackDown, but we know that's not no, happening. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, let's get rid of him. Um, but him and Nigel McGuinness are going to be uh, the the announced team for this uh, British, uh, this UK show that they could do. And I believe it's next, it's either this, I believe it's this Thursday coming up, they're going to have a 90-minute special on the two uh, the two shows that they did there. Uh, which, you know, built to the uh, Dunn versus Bates rematch 
the following uh, that that's following Saturday for the uh, UK title that will be defended on NXT. So I want to take this twofold. One, how do you like the idea of this British title being defended in, in NXT on the NXT Takeover show? And two, what's your thoughts on uh, on this NXT take uh, on the this British TV show being uh, coming to fruition? Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, I wasn't as hyped on the British stuff as everyone else is. Mm-hmm. I mean, my buddy's like, "Oh my God, this is the best thing ever!" And yeah, I wouldn't like, go that I, far. But. You know, I enjoyed the UK stuff for sure. I, I didn't think it was nearly as good as the cruiserweight mm-hmm. uh, stuff, but I enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad they're having a little presence. I think it's a great opportunity for Jim Ross. I think it's a great event from the showcase because he's, you know, basically he's calling matches. And he's, there's no better guy in, in my lifetime, or my, not my lifetime, but that I've ever heard call a match. You know, I, I know Gordon Soley, but I didn't get to really listen to him. So uh, as far as calling a wrestling match, there's no one I've ever heard better than Jim Ross. So um, this is a great vehicle for him to kind of sh- show his stuff. I agree. and But I guess the thing is, I find it interesting how they're blending these thing, blending these two shows together. NXT and the uh, I like it. show. I, I like it. But I find it interesting, though. Is there... I, I don't think it's... We talked about it originally, Corey, right, and said, well, maybe they could have this belt defended in on Raw and on SmackDown, but I don't think it's to that level. I don't think people really would know what it is or take it seriously yet or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's good that they're doing this on NXT. I would love to see it defended on Raw at some point. Um... You know, and have some of the European guys involved, have Drew Galloway involved, the Sheamus involved, the Cesaro, or whatever. But I think at this point, you know, not exposing it too much is probably the best bet. So putting it on NXT every now and then, so people remember, hey, remember there's a, a UK champion. I think that's a, it's a good idea, and I like how they've interwoven it into the show. I, I agree. But don't you think that this is like basically hour nine of programming? Every week, that's uh, for WWE. I mean, one of the things that, has, besides it's the idea that's been kind of who cares about under the Kevin Dunn administration, but you know, 205 Live is basically the, the most worthless show out there, and you still have NXT, which is you know goes through its ups and downs as talent comes in and out. But now you could have the British uh, the British show. I understand the the network needs programming, but. And there might be, a, and there's gonna be a women's tournament, which might lead to a women's show on the network. Don't you think there might be too much stuff right now? I mean, yeah, but if, if you're a wrestling fan and you can, God, God willing, you have all that time in your hands, you know, no, no girlfriend or boyfriend, and no job or whatever. I don't know. You got a lot of time in your hands, and you can do it. I mean, I don't know. It seems like a lot for sure. Um, but you know, if if you are. You know what it is? It, it, it's like a menu, right? So you can pick a couple of things off the menu that you want, and then the other things you discard. If you want to do 205 Live one week because something's interesting, you watch it. If NXT has a you know show that you're interested in one week, you know you watch it. You can digest things how you want to digest them. Mm-hmm. Is it too much? Sure. But you don't have to watch the, like the UK tournament. I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched bits and pieces, you know, some of the matches that people told me about. The G1 is coming up, right? Uh, you know, but let, not even G1. Let's talk about Best of the Super Junior. I mean, they're going to have, like, matches every night for for a week or so, or a week and a half or so. And, listen, I can't watch, physically watch all that. Like, you know, you were saying you can't. So what do you do? You kind of take what you can in bits and pieces, and, you know, you, you enjoy what you can. And the same thing with this, right? You... It's good that it's all at least available to us. You know, years ago, we would have loved to have been able to see guys in Europe, cruiserweight guys. You know, we would have loved to have seen this. So now we have the opportunity to. So, you know, instead of complaining, oh, it's too much, it's too much, just take it for what it is. Does that maybe dilute the overall viewership for the product? I mean, maybe, but the UK stuff, 205 Live stuff, that's for the hardcore of the hardcores. I would more rather talk about 205 Live and the quality of the show. I mean, to me, that's an issue. Eesh. More so than, yeah, more so than, um, you know, them having the show in general. I agree. I mean, our friend of the show, uh, Zach Zimmerman from ProWrestling.net, uh, who 
I actually got a chance to meet in person this uh, past Friday. Put it the best way I can I can look at it. It's basically a show that you don't have to care about. It's a tr- it's uh it's got every once in a while you got a good wrestling match on there, but it's just an extra hour program which you really don't need. You know, I mean, and that's what I'm. Af- I guess that's what I'm a little bit afraid of when it comes to all these extra programs, where if it's not on the USA Network. Is it really something that, after a while, are we going to care about? You know, because there's so much out there. Of course, it is, I mean, but it is what it is. The guys are on the contract. They need programming. They're putting them out there. Like, it, it doesn't really cost the WWE anything to, or it doesn't cost them that much to do this. Obviously, they've considered their bottom line, and they, they know business-wise what it costs to do these shows. Mm-hmm. So for them, it's financially beneficial to do these shows. You know, and they already know viewership's going to be what it's going to be. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And maybe they get a subscriber or two in England out of this or, in, you know, in other parts of Europe out of this. So, to me, there it's not really a they, – they can't really lose, to be honest with you, in this situation, even if nobody cares, uh, you know, about it. I don't think they're going to release all the cruiserweights uh, tomorrow. I don't think they're going to release all the U.K. wrestlers tomorrow. Um, you know, we'll see. Again, the cruiserweight thing, they have to do a better job on that show. That, that's a different argument. That's a thing, that's a, that's a different argument than is it too much. If it's too much and it was all good, then great. There's a bunch of great wrestling on it. But when Two or Five Live is what it is, you know, that, that makes things tough. NXT, I still go out of my way to try to watch NXT. Um, I don't get to watch it every week, but sometimes I'll watch a couple of weeks in a row because they still have good stuff on there. Um, so you kind of take you kind of take that for what you can take it as. I agree. Um, so let's move on to our, I think our final or second to last topic of the day because I think there's something you wanted to talk about at the very end, unless you already did WWE wise. But um, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, War of the Worlds ROH show, which I got a chance to attend. First, I want to say a big thank you for uh, to Ring of Honor for uh, fixing a bad situation. Me and uh, Christopher Morton and a couple other guys uh, bought tickets to the show. We were sitting in the 200 level section, and unfortunately, where we were sitting, in order for you know, we all complained for years that one of the major problems with ROH was their basically their lighting system, where it looked like you know you were in a, basically a gymnasium and you were just there with you know terrible lighting, which they fixed. But unfortunately, that whole entire top area where we were sitting, we were blocked by the lights by, you know, the, the strobe light, so we basically couldn't see anything, so one of the guys went and uh, sent a tweet out to ROH, they got right back to us right away, and they said, we apologize, and they said, come on down, and uh, you guys are sitting uh, now on the floor right next to the, uh, right next to the stage. Oh. I thought you told them that you were part of that, that you hosted a very influential, or co-hosted a very influential wrestling podcast, which may dictate how many people watch their next show, and then they're like, oh, shit. Corey Richmond, we gotta bring you down to the, the good seats, brother. We gotta we gotta get you the good spot. Uh, that only happens when Jason Brooks decides to attend the show. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess I want to give them a lot of credit for fixing a bad situation. And as a result of that, uh, the photo we were talking about earlier of Simon Gotch—that's how I got that photo. Um, and like I said, everybody out there who has, you know, was listening to this the first time because of they seeing that photo spreading online. Thank you for giving us a chance, and hopefully you continue to listen to us as we go on. But I really thought that the Ring of Honor show slash New Japan show was a really good show. I mean, was there anything that was, you know, at the end of the year you're going to say match of the year quality? No, but I I really enjoyed the Will Ospreay-Jay uh, White match, which, Jay, if you when you do get a chance to watch this, I would go out of my way to see that. I saw it. I, I really liked the... Uh, the Young Bucks versus Naito and Bushi. I thought that was really good. As much as we want to say that, you know, it's just, you know, an independent organization, the Young Bucks are might be the most over people that have never stepped in, stepped foot into the WWE. They are, they get such amazing reactions. I know that the fans that are going there are going to see them, but the stuff that they do, and yes, is it a little bit as you would, as you know, uh, the Broken Hardies would say, you know, they're spot monkeys. Absolutely, I understand that. But it was, the reaction that Naito got was great. You know, you felt that 
when they do come to the U.S., Naito will get a good reaction. There's such a high level of respect for Tanahashi for, from the uh, from the fans out there that he got, you know, basically felt like a big star. Adam Cole, who we'll talk about uh, more in a moment, uh, was ver- was over. Marty Scroll was super over in his match against uh, Matt Seidel, who's uh, who uh, faced him for the uh, ROH TV title. I thought that was a really fun, good match. I, I will say that I think that the show kind of peaked before the main event with the angle that they did involving the Bullet Club. But I, I want to give full credit. Cody, Jay Lethal, and uh, Christopher Daniels all worked really hard. I think they had a good match. I don't think it was the best match. And I think that they really had the crowd, because of the rumors that have come out over the last like two weeks, with MLW's uh, MSL reporting that Cody Rhodes has signed a deal with ROH. I think a lot of people expected Cody to win the title. And this has already been out there, so it's not really a spoiler. Christopher Daniels did hold on to the title. And I'm wondering, I want to get your opinion, someone who gets a chance more than I do to watch the product. Do you think Christopher Daniels feels like a world champion? Or do you think that he's just a placeholder that we're just waiting until the moment he actually moves on and gives someone and they move, move somebody else having the title yeah I think he's a placeholder but that's okay I mean sometimes a placeholder is okay it doesn't always have to be Jay Lethal or Adam Cole or whatever I, I think I think placeholders okay while they reshuffle the deck a little bit obviously they're losing maybe their top guy in the company I I, mean, I think he is their top, the top guy in the company and they're losing the top guy in the company so they've really got to reshuffle the deck and, you know, see what else they have to do. So, um, you know, I understand. You know, I, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, well, you know, he's not, he's not really a world champion. It seem, you know, but it's fine. They're in transition, and they've got to figure out the next step. This is the thing with Ring of Honor, right? They're losing. They're, this is like the WWE losing John Cena. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying I'm cold John Cena. I don't, I don't want to go there. But they're losing their number one guy. This is like when New Japan lost um, – Nakamura and AJ. Um, you know, Ring of Honor has lost uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. They've lost two of their their workhorses, two of their most over guys in just the last several months. So they have to now, this is a, probably one of Ring of Honor's most important times, I'd say, in their history. I mean, I might be overstating it, but they really need to figure out what they're going to do over these next couple of months. Everyone's in the Bullet Club now, so they, they, you know, they're good there. But they need to build up some more people, and they need to figure out what else they're going to do. I mean, the Bullet Club—you have so many people in there that are so over, and then you got a bunch of guys. So they need to really figure out how to build other people up. And again, with their TV, this, this top prospect tournament—it's fine, but I, I don't want to keep seeing a bunch of people I don't know wrestling. Give me some storylines. Tell me what we're building to. Um, get me excited for the show. It's like uh, they just—they do such a terrible job. But um, it'll be interesting over the next, you know, six months to a year to see who they build up as the next champion. Jay Lethal again. I mean, he's—I I think Jay Lethal's done all he can do there, to be honest with you. But you put him back in there. Is Cody the champion at some point? That's probably where they're gonna go. Um, you know, what do you do with Skrull? Do you just keep the TV title? Do we move him up to a you know main event spot? Bully Ray? What happens with him? You know, so there are a lot of things that that Ring of Honor could do here over the next couple of months to make things interesting. But you know, they've had a, a little bit of a tough time building guys up, and guys are leaving kind of quick. So it, it, this, these next couple of months will be a very important time for them to see what they do. And can we please, for the love of God, Get some storylines on TV. Please. I I totally agree. Uh, and uh, so let's let's get into the, the big the big angle that was done on this show. Uh, as someone who I saw this coming because as a lot of people I don't know, Jay, I don't know if you ever get a chance to watch it, but uh, the YouTube show Being the Elite. Have you ever uh, had a chance to watch that or not? I've watched it once or twice, but not not often. No. Okay. But over the last like four or five episodes they've been slowly building this story of Marty Scroll and Adam Cole and Kenny Omega with the, putting the pieces and I really want to give them credit that in the very in the last episode they did which they recapped 
what happened on uh, on Friday. I think it's episode fifty two of Being the Elite. They actually made really made sense. They did the whole type backstory of the last two mo- two months ago with Adam Cole, you know, firing the Young Bucks and Kev- and uh, Kenny Omega actually having uh, Marty Scroll as basically his inside man to go and set all this up and. It was really good storytelling that made sense, and part of it came about because of uh, Nick Jackson actually got food poisoning and was sick, so they actually were able to work that into the story on how they went and had you know Adam Cole poisoning him and everything else. I mean, I really now think that was. All, you know, I'm gonna say that's all long ago, but I mean the YouTube channel. You know, I know it's got a lot of subscribers, but man, I just feel like they they could do better. You know, to promote this stuff than just putting like having a YouTube channel. But anyway, go ahead. I I, I agree with you. I mean, but I think that I, I'm just, I want to give them credit for actually. A lot of times, at least, at least I say, the, the wrestling and WWE as a as a big one doesn't make you know a lot of the stuff that they do doesn't make sense. I guess my point is I'm just trying to say that I want to give credit when I see things that do make sense because like, we rarely ever see that you know when it comes to wrestling. That's sometimes we do, but yeah, that's fair. More often than not, but but I, I really thought it came off well where you had Adam Cole versus Tanahashi, which was a good match. You saw that Tanahashi saving himself up for the Dominion show versus Naito, so it wasn't, you know, going all out crazy. And Adam Cole, which he's been doing for a while, you may disagree, but he's re- I think he's wrestling more of a safe style, knowing that his time is coming to go to the NXT he doesn't want to do anything super crazy to keep his body okay. So, I mean, it wasn't, you know, the ultimate, you know, it was, for him, as he said in interviews, this is his dream match facing Tanahashi. But it was it was a typical Adam Cole match where he wrestled his style and didn't do anything crazy that's going to cost him down the line, which, you know, I think is very smart on his part. But the, but the match ends, the Young Bucks come down to go and give him the hugs. And all of a sudden, Kenny Omega's music hits. Crowd was a little upset that they didn't actually see Kenny Omega. Yeah, and apparently, um, you know, as Corey recaps the whole show for you, um, <laughs> uh, that was due to uh, some visa issues, um, just for you guys. But that's why Kenny Omega was not there. There were some visa issues in him getting uh, getting into the country. All right, but I, but you know, he did the whole entire thing with saying that the the Bullet Club needs a villain, and the minute he said that. The crowd went effing ballistic. Maybe you said the clips you saw it didn't come off as well, maybe for on the pay-per-view. But I think that was also partly because that Kenny Omega wasn't there, so I think some of the fans were a little upset with that. But I, the whole entire thing with Marty coming down and becoming the newest member of the Bullet Club, but that really all worked well. And I think this really works well in the lead where he's going to be now in New Japan with part of the... Uh, the best of the super juniors, which I think is really interesting on how he's going to be booked in that show, which he's the ROH TV, uh, TV champion. But at the same point, how do you book him to, you know, to lose matches, you know, without making the ROH title TV title mean less, but the best of the super juniors. Yeah. But, uh, you know, on that token, the, you know, the, the champion is in it, the, the juniors champions. In it. Right. And then just like the G1, when the, when the, the, the IWGP champions and they lose all the freaking time. They never even make it to the finals. So, um, yeah, I don't think that's a big deal. Um, I think they will highlight him, though. You know what I mean? I don't know if he'll make it to the final, but I don't think he's going to be losing. I don't think he's going to be losing like that. Mm-hmm. I really don't. It, it, it's possible, but I don't. I don't. I don't see that happening. I think we'll have a really good showing at the best of the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, I mean that, that A block is just stacked with guys with uh, Ricochet. Will Ospring and Marty Scro- Marty uh, Marty Scroll. I think Kushida is in the B block, but I might be wrong on that. But that, like I said, that is going to be really great. Uh, great, basically week and a half, and well, hopefully next week we'll get a chance to talk about maybe some of the matches that we saw. But uh, Jay, I like I said, really had a great time at the ROH show. I say people should, if they get a chance, to go out of their way to watch those last like four matches. I would say, and um, Jay, I think we caught a lot of good stuff this week. You want to let people know. How they can follow and uh, find out, you know, more pictures that won't be going up of, of Simon Gotch. Sure, uh, we're on Twitter at Work Shoot Pod um, and at Paladin Eight Hundred Eight. 
Uh, check us out on iTunes, the Work Shoot Podcast. On Stitcher, the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Uh, also look us up on Facebook at the Work Shoot Podcast. Um, we put our you know clips of our shows on there, things like that. Um, and check out our website, www.blocktalkradio.com backslash work shoot podcast. Very cool. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jay. Uh, you said there was something that you wanted, a WWE thing you wanted to talk about? Yeah, just just real quick, real quick. And maybe this is a topic for next week because this has been a longer show than I anticipated, um, as it always is with Corey. Um, but <laughs> it's called Story Time with Corey Richards. I love you, Corey. Uh, it, it's something about, and, and you know, We'll save it for next week. We'll, 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 we'll save it for next week. Talk you want to at least it. give us a little tease of what it is, so maybe I can have an idea of what you're yeah, talking about? Well, it has to do with Randy Orton and uh, some, you know, um, a, a retweet that he had um, between, uh, I believe it was Buddy Rogers, I'm not sure who it was, an old wrestling trainer, um, and we'll all spread a conversation about indie wrestling and indie wrestling style. And um, But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. This has been a long enough show for me. All right, uh, last thing quickly. Uh, what's your thoughts of The Rock running for president in 2020? Right, <laughs> can't do, any, can't do any worse than the guy that we have now? Hey, listen, that, that, listen that's a Republican's boy. So, I mean, I don't know. This is who, they cho- this is who the Republicans chose to represent them. So, this, this I, don't, I don't understand that. I mean, but it, in the, it, in the it social... I mean, even, this, Dead, even Dead Cruz, so I think it's like the Antichrist. <laughs> But, I mean, you could have had almost anyone in there but this guy, and it would have been, like, fine. Okay. But uh, as a president, it's fine. Like, people are like, all right, whatever. But, but in this... It's fine. This guy, he's a horror show. I, I, I can't... I, whatever. It is okay. what it is. But, but in the social media uh, way of things going on with, like I said, Trump being president, if uh, if The Rock wanted to actually take this seriously... He'd win. He'd oh, win. he'd win. There's no doubt he'd win. He's already got he'd, Mick Foley's endorsement, so... Uh, there's, no doubt he, there's no doubt he'd win. He'd win. He doesn't even have to have a platform. So be the president of the United States, you don't even have to have a legitimate platform. All right. I think we went off a little off the rails there at the end. But, but uh, what were you saying? I said our country's going down the tubes. But that's it. I'm done. Well, at least we have quality wrestling occasionally. But uh, for Jason Brooks, this is Corey Richard. Thank you, as always, for giving us your support. And for the new uh, new listeners and viewers to Twitter, Thank you, and hopefully uh, you've enjoyed what you've heard. We will talk to you again, uh, hopefully uh, next week, to preview NXT TakeOver and the WWE pay-per-view payback with the first match, official match, uh, on the main roster for for Nakamura. We'll see how all that goes. But, uh, Jason, I believe the floor is yours. I think we're done here. See you.